0: Okay, this morning, we are beginning our Transformed series. Fantastic, and we're looking at how God changes us. So you should have, over the past few weeks, two weeks or so, uh, received one of these, or picked up one of these books, your Transformed journal, course manual, whatever terminology you want to use it, This is your companion for the next eight weeks. We'll take a gap in the middle, but um, there's space for sermon notes on a Sunday if you want to take notes in there. Then there's the daily devotional stuff that we'll be doing, uh, which videos or audio will be going out online each day. And there's your weekly Explore Group meeting. Um, The the content is in here. So you need one of these if you haven't got one of these. Um, If you haven't done come and speak to me afterwards and I'll ask you why. Um, I, I won't do. Well, I will do, but um, you should be part of a group. That's, it's a key part of what's going on in the church. If you're not part of an explore group, again, come and speak to me as well. It's vital that you do that. It's, it's so. It's essential to this process and growing as we'll see as a Christian. Well, I want to say it's great to be here. It's good to be in this, this building, but it's fantastic to be together, isn't it? I think that's what Tommy said. We, we're together again with one accord. We're together as a church family. We're united in purpose. We're united in direction and vision, and that's fantastic. That's where we want to be. Over the last few weeks, we've, we've heard about the need for everyone to be transformed, and we've heard examples particularly last week, of transformed lives, lives that have been changed by the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. And we've also heard how that's a continual process. It's not one and done, right, okay, you're saved, get on with it, you should be okay now. We've, we've heard that it's a, a continual process. And uh, we want to engage with God over the next eight weeks. We want to engage with his word and what the Holy Spirit is highlighting in our lives. We want to be open to that. I just want to remind you of three things that were, that came out this morning. Hannah spoke about potentially as we are transformed, as transformation happens, there's difficult things that arrive. But Actually, there's a piece about that because we're in a church family. We're together to encourage and support one another. Um, Vivian gave thanks for the things that only God can do. Sometimes there's transformation that needs to pl- take place and only God can do that. And... Sue sang a song uh, that some of us would know uh, called Only You. Only you can satisfy my heart's desire. Only you can satisfy my heart's cry. And we sang This Is My Desire as well at the end. That's what this is about. God needs to be our primary desire. We need to be desiring a closer relationship with him. So where we've been is learning that transformation happens through the power of God. We've seen what it looks like a little bit but this morning we're going to look at how transformation takes place, why it needs to take place and then finally looking at the first area of sort of health over the next seven or eight weeks and we're going to look at what it means to be spiritually healthy, what does that mean? So first of all how does transformation take place? How are we transformed? Well I think There's probably many ways, but I want to highlight four ways that the Bible teaches, four probably key components, or if there was a ranking, these would be the top four ways that transformation takes place. And these are the four. The direct and sovereign intervention of God. Supernatural enablement from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Guidance and support of a gospel community. and active and deliberate submission to God. So the direct and sovereign intervention of God, Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5 says, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive in Christ. So when you're dead in your sins and God makes you alive in Christ, there's no amount of human effort that's going to bring you back to life because you're dead. Dead things don't resurrect themselves. That doesn't happen. So the direct and sovereign intervention of God, that's just an example. God sometimes acts and transformation takes place it's instantaneous. It's, it's a dramatic turnaround that only God can, uh, it can only be explained by God. My sister-in-law, um, Megan's brother's uh, wife, she just recently got a job that she doesn't remember applying for. Her husband, Matthew, doesn't remember applying for. She got phoned up and said, "Oh, we'd like you to come in for an interview. Okay, who are you? Oh, you know, obviously she didn't say that because she was a bit cooler than that. She's like, oh, okay, great, when, when and where? So sometimes God breaks in and does something and they were praying about her getting a job. It wasn't just random coincidence and it was the perfect job for her. Perfect hours, perfect role, fantastic stuff. So sometimes God breaks in and does something and it can only be ascribed. He can only get the glory for it. Sometimes transformation takes place through the supernatural enablement of being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now then what follows then is the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter, who previously had been unwilling to confess that he knew Jesus to a group of people, one of whom was a little girl who was asking him, then stands up in front of a, a great crowd and is declaring the truth of the gospel. And he sa- he's, he's not holding back. He's saying, you crucified Jesus. Transformation takes place. As you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're changed from being afraid and fearful to being bold and courageous for Jesus Christ. That's at least Peter's story. Guidance and the support of a gospel community. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 the first half says and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and it goes on to say all the more as you see the day approaching all the more as you see jesus is coming back but the point there is let us consider how to encourage one another let's consider how to stir one another up sometimes You can be ticking along in your life, and actually, what you need is a brother or sister to come alongside you and go, you know, you've actually you've got quite a lot of free time. You could probably do something good with that, or you've got, you know, you've got quite a lot of disposable income. You could probably bless someone with that, or you've got some amazing skills. The church could really use that. Sometimes that transformation it, it comes from a brother or sister encouraging us, spurring us on to do something and sometimes transformation occurs by the active by our active and deliberate submission to god romans 12:1 and 2 says i appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters by the mercies of god or in view of god's mercy to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It sounds funny to say, but you can resist God in your life. There's things that God wants to do in your life and you can, for a period of time, he will eventually get his way, that's how it works. But for a period of time, you can try and resist God. It doesn't work out well for you particularly. It doesn't work out well for us. But... Paul writes there, he's saying, I'm urging you, in view of what God has done, in view of the the gospel of Jesus Christ, in view of his death and resurrection, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Say, here's my life, here's everything about me, it's yours. Here's my physical body, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And then it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not just presenting our bodies, but saying, Lord, how I think about things, that's surrendered to you as well. And we're looking for God to work in all of those ways, in those four ways in our lives. We want him to supernaturally just intervene. Yes, please, Lord, let's see some breakthrough. We want to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. We need to be asking, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. At least daily, you need to be praying that. We, I need to be praying that. We need to be encouraging one another and spurring one another on to love and good works. And we need to be in active and deliberate submission to God. We need to be choosing to do that. And over these next few weeks, we're going to be honing in on some sort of intensely practical, intentionally practical and tangible teaching. And particularly in those final two areas, which is why it's so important to be part of a group an explore group, it's so important to have people that you can, you're can. you building relationship with that you can say, I'm feeling like this, can you speak into my life? And to be honest, I think that's an area of weakness sometimes for churches a, a bit like ours, maybe like ours, where we're so overly cautious of not wanting to appear to be encouraging any kind of legalism that we back off of challenging people. And so I want to lay a huge disclaimer right down at the beginning and the start of this series. And I want to say, no no one who speaks from this platform, Andy, Daniel, myself, platform, you know what I mean. Um, No one who speaks on a Sunday morning here or people that we invite in is going to encourage you to observe legalism. The only way you can be saved is through the grace of God and through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can be saved. So nothing you can do will make you acceptable to God He's done that through his son, Jesus. And so as we're talking about very practical and very tangible things, it's important to note we're not encouraging you to go and this will make you acceptable to God. If you read your Bible every day, God will really love you then. The reality is if you read your Bible every day, you might have a greater experience of how much God already loves you. That's what we're saying. This is about being engaged with God who is shaping and molding us into the likeness of his son, not about earning acceptance and status before our father. <clears throat> we're saved by grace and we continue in grace. Romans twelve, two. this is a key verse that we're gonna be looking at. It says this, we just read it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Be transformed is what we're saying. And this verse is saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Once your mind is renewed, you're able to test and approve what God's will is. Should I do this or should I do that? Well, if my mind's not renewed, how can I test that? If we're saying, God, renew my mind, change the way that I'm thinking about these things, this verse says that then we can test and approve what God's will is. Should I do this or should I do that? Well, actually... This is, this is more honouring to God. This is more aligned with what God's will is. Well, then I'm going to do that. There's a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and it uses this famous quote. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. I don't know if that's the origin of that quote. I read it in, a, in an Arthur Wallace book many years ago called Living God's Way. Uh, but that's in Stephen R. Covey's book, The Seven ha- uh, Habits of Highly Effective People, which I haven't read, which you could probably tell by how um, lowly effective I am. Um, but I'm not sure of the origin of that quote, but it's a powerful quote, isn't it? Sow a thought and you reap an action. Well, you sow enough thoughts, you reap enough actions, well, actually, now you're in a habit. Well, and, that, and now you're, you're getting, a, well, people know you, oh, he's the guy that does that. She's the girl that does that. Oh, you've got a character and you, now that's your character. Well, that's what people expect of me. Well, I've got to live up to people's expectations and you've ended up with a destiny because of the way that you're thinking about things. The way that we think about things shapes the rest of our lives. So how does transformation take place? The direct and sovereign intervention of God, supernatural enablement, being filled with the Holy Spirit, guidance and support of a gospel community and active and deliberate submission to God. We want to be actively and deliberately submitted to God, don't we? That's how we're going to learn to follow him better, to serve him well. But we're transformed. We're transformed from what to what? Why, why are we bothering to be transformed? So that's how transform, transformation takes place. Why does transformation take place? take place why does it need to I'd say it needs to take place in order for us to be healthy in uh john chapter 15 jesus said this i am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit so even if you're doing well, you're going to be pruned. There needs to be some change taking place. Even if you've done well, change will happen. Someone asked me this week, I was given some, some feedback uh, last time I preached. Someone said to me afterwards, you're, you're, you're better than you used to be. And someone asked me and said, no, was, does, was that okay? Do you, how did you react to that feedback? And I, and I said, it's much better than hearing you're worse than you used to be. Um, Because we want to be growing, don't we? We want to be being changed more and more into the likeness of Christ. We want to be more and more following his will. We have a a value in this church of development. We say this, we want to build a culture of development where we encourage and challenge one another to grow in our faith and relationship with God. And as a church, we want to provide opportunities to train and improve gifts and abilities and character. We want to develop, we need to grow, we need to mature in Christ. We want to be healthy. What does it mean to be healthy? Well, I think it's a little bit like uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. I think sometimes the challenge of being a healthy Christian is holding things, lots of good things in the right amount. Now, not too hot, not too cold, but just right. Not too big, not too small, but just right. The the challenge of the Christian and of church is to hold lots of good things in a healthy amount. So, yeah, we want lots of prayer. Okay, prayer is really important, so we're only going to pray. Okay, well, hang on, but what about studying the Bible? Oh, yeah, studying the Bible is really important. Okay, well, forget prayer, let's study the Bible. OK, well, actually worship, singing, is, it's good for our health and actually it's, it's quite fun. So let's, let's focus on that because that's a bit more interesting and it's good as well. So, you know, best of both worlds. Let's, oh, let's worship for extended periods of time only. And eventually, oh, OK, don't worry about that. We'll just worship. Actually, the Christian life is about, need lots of that and lots of that and lots of that. And you, you can see where churches drift into error because they overemphasize something and we don't want to be a church that does that we want to be a church of healthy people which are forming a healthy church that's the challenge of the christian is to hold lots of good things in balance we need lots of this and lots of that so what does it mean to be spiritually healthy what is what is spiritually healthy well This week in our groups, we're going to look at seven habits that um, will help us to maintain or keep our spiritual health or increase our spiritual health. So I'm not going to go into those. I'm going to let that happen in uh, our explore groups. But this morning, I want to look at what it actually means to be spiritually healthy. If you're spiritually healthy, what does it look like? Not what are the things that are going to help you uh, to do that. And I think it's essential that we all understand what we're talking about. Because I could say to you, are you spiritually healthy? And you could say, I just listened to an hour of worship music. I'm feeling great. Or I've just done a Bible study and I understood everything that was there. At least I think I did. Enough to go, oh, I'm nailing it. I'm smashing it at the moment. I've just been volunteering. I was out on Street Angels all oh, till five in the morning. I slept for 30 minutes. Then I got up and I did the soup run for the homelessness kitchen. I'm... I'm spiritually healthy. We can have a checklist of things which are helpful and all good things. None of those things I said is bad. They're all really good and they're the things that we'll be encouraged to do during the week. Those kind of things. But the real value of those things is not actually felt unless they increase, they help to grow your affection and closeness to Christ. (laughs) (laughs) the value of reading your bible of studying the bible of spending time in worship is not to make you feel elated or a sense of achievement i've read this many chapters it's about increasing our affection and our knowledge and understanding and growing in our relationship with the risen lord jesus christ and our father in heaven Matt Chandler, who is a wonderful uh, Bible teacher and leader. I'd recommend you listen to his stuff. It's excellent. Uh, he, in his talk on work and rest, he uh, is describing a bit of his pattern of life, how he uh, engages with God. And he, he's talking about fasting and he mentions observing Lent. Now, some of us in this church, were, I've never observed Lent. You might be surprised by that. Um, Other people will have observed it every year of their life. Now, he says this. He observes Lent, or he has begun to, not because it pleases God for him to do it, but because it directs his affections towards God. It's a helpful tool for him. He fasts. He says he fasts in a particular time he says, because it directs his attention to God, it reminds him that he has a hunger for something more than food. He has something more than food that he needs to sustain him. And he says, as soon as it stops doing that, as soon as it stops, that hunger stops causing him to go, actually, I need to focus more on Jesus. I need to, I need to be more hungry for God. As soon as it stops doing that, he said, I, I won't continue in that pattern of fasting anymore. I'll change it. We can have a checklist of things that we do but unless, the real, unless we're using those things to draw us closer to God, their true value is missed. So this morning I want to say to you that the single most important thing to being spiritually healthy is being and growing in affection and closeness towards God. I'd even potentially go as far to say as spiritual health is growing in affection towards God. That is what it means to be spiritually healthy. So I want to say, are you close to God this morning? You don't have to respond, it's rhetorical. Are you close to God this morning? You say, yeah, he's my my father. Well, you know, some fathers and children and daughters don't speak. And that's tragic when that's the case. And I'm sorry if that's the, the case in your family. Some families don't talk to each other. They're not close, even though they're related. So you might have some relation to God. You might relate to him in some way, but you might not be close to God this morning. How do we get close to God? Well, without Jesus, it's impossible. You can't get close to God without Jesus. No amount of Bible reading, no amount of praying, no amount of singing, however heartfelt and tuneful, will get you close to God without Jesus Christ. But with Jesus, we not only have access to God, we can not only see Him, we not only get to Him, but we have a, a family relationship, a close relationship, access of a son or a daughter. We're given the status of children of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, their sins against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What that's saying is that in what Jesus did through his life and death, resurrection and his ascension, that he God was reconciling the world, you and I, to himself. In what Jesus has done. That's what on the cross when Jesus was dying it wasn't uh, pointless, it was it had a purpose to it. It was to bring us back into relationship with, with God, as we were intended to be when we were created. James, eight, uh, James 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Hebrews four sixteen says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have access to God with confidence through Jesus Christ. Through his life, death and resurrection, we can boldly go in. Oh, sorry, my back is bad, that's a... Uh, We can boldly enter the throne room. We can go to the throne of grace and say, Lord, I need help. I need some of your mercy. I need some of your grace. And we'll receive it. We can do that with boldness. Not swagger. Yeah, I've been sinning again, haven't I? Not like that. But actually, God, I'm coming home. Father, I'm sorry I messed it up again. It's okay. Here's some more grace. Here's some more mercy. So this week, as we're encouraged in our explore groups with some tangible, practical teaching, let's remember we're saved by grace. That the purpose of these spiritual disciplines that we're going to learn about is to increase our closeness and affection to God, not to obtain his favour. Another Matt Chandler quote, he says, when he gets into bed at the end of the day, he just says, thank you, God, that whatever I did today doesn't affect your affection for me doesn't impact it. He says, I don't lay there in bed in agony because I think, oh, I forgot to read this particular devotional, this Bible passage. Oh, I forgot to do it. No, he says, thank you, Lord, that your affection for me is unchanged. You love me. You love me unconditionally. He does say that our awareness of that love can change so I want to finish by asking you this morning what kind of transformation do you need do you need the direct and sovereign intervention of God do you need God to break in and change something in your life do you need the supernatural enablement of being filled with the Holy Spirit do you need to be filled again so that you can live in boldness Do you need the guidance and support of your brothers and sisters in this gospel community, in this church family? Do you need to go to someone and say, I need you to help me with this. I need you to keep me accountable with this. I need you to encourage me and help me to chase after God more. Or do you need to actively and deliberately submit yourself to God? Do you know that God's trying to work on something in your life and yet you're resisting him? You're, You're saying, oh, not that God." Yeah, other things, but but not, not my finances, not my time, not my energy, not my gifting. What kind of transformation do you need? I know this is a, a new building and I'm sure everyone's really eager to go and explore and find out where the tea and coffee is and uh, find some nook and cranny where you can sneak off when you know that you know you I don't know you want some time on your own um, but this is also a moment for a fresh start you might be someone who when it's, when it's said at the, the front oh if you want to be prayed for come and be prayed for if you want to be prayed for go over into this corner here this is where we're going to be praying for people um, the prams will be moved um, by their parents but not the parents of the prams the parents of the children in the prams um, but this is a moment for a fresh start. If you're one of those people who says, oh, I'm not really one of those go to the front and get prayed for people. As of today, you can be. This is a new building. This is a new chance for you to be that kind of person. And you know, if someone says, oh, you didn't used to get prayed for. Oh, yeah, it was really awkward, wasn't it? With you know, the way the chairs were laid out and all the tech stuff being packed away. This is a chance for you to be that person. If you say, If God's saying to you, you need to go and get prayed for. If you can feel the Holy Spirit prompting you, actually you need to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. You need to pray with someone. You need to go and ask for God to break through in your life. If you can feel that the Holy Spirit is prompting you for that, this morning don't just go and get your coffee. Don't get your tea. Let today be a fresh start for you. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to finish. Father, I thank you for the fact that you do and have sovereignly moved in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do that, that we would be undone by your glory and your power as you demonstrate that you are the sovereign Lord of all. You are the Lord of all creation as you just impose your will on situations, Lord. I pray that we would just be in awe of your majestic power. And I thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit. That You said you would send the helper, that we would be able to follow you. We'd be enabled, we'd be empowered to follow you and to be your witnesses. I pray, Lord, you would fill us with the Holy Spirit and that we would be your witnesses to the very ends of the earth. This is probably the kind of place that would would have been uh, in your mind when you said the ends of the earth. Lord, and we thank you for your your birthing of the church, that you created a community that is to love one another, to show the world how human beings are meant to dwell in relationship to one another, how we're meant to prefer one another, encourage one another. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the gift of the church. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Not an organization, but a family. Centred around your gospel. And Lord, I I thank you that you invite us. You invite us into your story. You invite us into the adventure of following Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that we would humbly submit ourselves, our physical bodies, our thought lives, our very uh, desires and passions, Lord, we would submit them to you and say, Lord, let your will be done. I pray this morning that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit, direct us, continue to lead us as a church. We thank you for your presence with us this morning. And we pray, Lord Jesus, be with us this week as we begin this campaign. Let it be a growing in closeness and communion with you. Let it never slip into, oh, I've got to do that again. But let it be a joy as we grow to know more about you and more about your love for us.